Thank you for listening to another episode of Tunnel Vision Podcast. I'm Mario Doremus. I'm Eric Walker. Hey, episode 85. Kicking it into high gear now. How you feeling? Feeling good, man. I'm feeling great. Feeling good, feeling great. How about yourself? I'm, I'm feeling all right. Uh, things are kind of shaping out the way that you know we've expected them to in these finals. Um, but, you know, it's, it's still a long ways to go. Before we get a clear cut winner, possibly. I'll say this. Today I had a moment of clarity, if you will, to say, man, we got like maybe one week left and there's nothing on fucking TV. Well, I mean, you got, I mean, first of all, you got some stuff that's getting ready to come about with, I mean, obviously the XFL could, you know what I mean, that could potentially be something. Maybe. It could potentially maybe, be something. Maybe, maybe. If you like USF football, then you got that to watch. Baseball is still on, but I don't really think you get heavy into baseball until like the end of July. Right. I don't. Yeah, I mean, but I'm saying like, because like, I mean, you, you got like the casual fan will probably get more invested towards like the all-star break, right? Which I was I would consider myself more of a casual fan of baseball now. More so than like a diehard like I used to be. I used to love baseball. Like I literally used to watch, I won't say 182 games, 162 games, right? But I will watch a lot of baseball throughout the summer because there's nothing else on. I'm not a big guy. I don't like to just sit around and watch golf. Like it's too slow for me. I need need something where I can be kind of engaged. So for me, it will be a, a slow season per se come summer but you know it's, it's also a good time for me to be to be more active outside so yeah yeah but you know like every every that just 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 that moment of clarity like sports is kind of dying down um for me anyway you know sports are dying down um and then you know I guess that that's a way for me to focus on our football season coming up, upcoming for for our high school, and then. Um, but outside of that, I mean, uh, I'm we're wells away well away from what we August come August, and then we'll get preseason the NFL. We'll get you know um, the it, talks to start heating up on college football, um, and then once once the season starts, then boom, we start talking about basketball again. We got summer league basketball. I'm not a big fan of summer league. I love summer league. I love. I absolutely love summer league. Basketball, yeah, NBA summer league. I'm all tapped in, man. And I don't know. I I think it's the simple fact there's a bunch of guys out there, and they're like these kids are literally playing because some of them know they may never get opportunity to to play in the NBA, and that might be the closest that they can come, or that might be their opportunity to get into the NBA. A lot of guys go out in summer league and make a huge name for themselves before the regular season starts. That's true. And also, the one thing I think I like most about NBA summer league is the fact that guys come back from overseas who maybe have been you know out of college for like th- two or three years, and they still have the opportunity to play in summer league and play themselves onto an NBA roster. I would. So, uh, let's just dive right into it. Let's dive. Let's go. NBA finals. Game five's coming up. Series is tied right now, two to two. After game four, Steph Curry, or as you like to call him by his full name, Wardale Stephen Curry, 
the guy went off 43 points, 10 rebounds, absolutely phenomenal in Boston. And now the pressure's on because they're going back to Golden State. The pressure's on Boston now. Let, let's let's let, let's not get too far, right? We went, um, we 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 haven't potted since Game Three. Yeah, we haven't potted since Game Three. So Game Three happened, um, kind of, in my opinion, to a certain extent, the game kind of was similar. Um, I think Boston kind of ran out with Game Three for a little bit. Um, the Warriors came back in Game Three, battled back, um, and then just. I, in my opinion, I would say took some had some bad shots, um, had some bad shots from uh, from Clay Thompson, had some bad shots from Draymond Green down the stretch, and then Curry kind of missed a couple shots that kind of allowed the Boston Celtics to kind of seal that deal. Whereas Game Four, I mean, so that, that that's Game Three. Well, hold on before before we move on to Game Four, let me ask you one thing about Game Three, right? So after the game. Clay Thompson, uh, you know, because the crowd, they were yelling profanity towards the Warriors, right? Right. Clay Thompson in the press conference goes on the goes out there during the press conference and says that the Boston fans are extremely cla- like basically calling them rude and classless because they were yelling profanity with kids in the stands. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. They do that at almost every NBA arena, right? And they're almost ki- they're kids in every. NBA arena, right, during the game? Yeah, I, I would say yes, they do. Um, I would say probably um, Boston's one of those places where it's it may be done to a different level. Like a um, New York. Like a New York or like a, a Utah, for example. Um, though some of those places like that are just a little bit worse. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's what he was talking about. I, I, but I also think he didn't want to make a bigger deal of it. Uh, kind of saying like, oh y'all, y'all classless because of the way y'all talking in front of these kids and kind of just moving on, like making it no bigger deal than it really has to be. The Warriors are seeing multiple different crowds, right? Um, they've, they, I mean, you think about it over the past what five, six years, they've won some some ball games. Yeah. So they they've experienced that. So I, I, that didn't kind of bother me. It was kind of one of those things where Clay was just kind of. I think stiff warming it a little bit, but kind of making it like y'all, y'all, y'all are y'all, y'all making yourself look bad in front of these kids, which is crazy because to a certain extent, in my opinion, that is bad. Like as a fan, you should not be using profanity and yelling at nothing who can hear you. Like at an NBA game, maybe, but NFL games, those cats can't even hear you. But this, all right, so this is my thing, right? This is my take. I'm like, it's, I look at it from two ways, right? If if the if the Warriors win that game, does Clay say anything? He might say the same thing because I think it's one of those things where it was like, it was just kind of like moving on. It wasn't a, all right. I, I'm I'm just saying this because I just want to shit on them. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those things where like, all right, moving on. My opinion. Yeah, no, no, but I mean, because I, 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 and a lot of people on Twitter t- took to uh, like took to his comments. You know, I know Twitter is a, a wild place where everybody has an opinion. Some people say outrageous things, but a lot of people feel like it was Clay being a sore loser. Like it was, like it was giving a whole lot of sore loser vibes. Like that Clay literally be look, and I get it, I get it. I, I think that in the best interest for like 
the children, right, that are in those arenas, and you don't want to turn them on to be like, hey, this is how you should act towards, or this is how you should act in these situations. Because, I, I, look, I'm in agreement with, and, and I also want to know, why were they cussing at the Warriors when Boston won? So I'm going to say this. I'm going to use a Jay-Z phrase. So what? So what? He was being a sore loser. Who cares? You know how many people have been a sore loser in this day and age in games worse than that? If 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 Clay Thompson talking about the fans being classless is a sore loser, we've seen worse than that. We've seen guys don't shake hands. We've seen guys just run off the court before the game was over. I mean, and we're talking about Clay Thompson, and I'm talking about some of these guys that I am referencing to or some of the best players in the league. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. No, no. So if this is the worst, so being a sore loser, so what? No, I'm with you, but I was, <laughs> I, just, I was curious as to how you felt about it. I mean, me personally, I don't I don't care. I, I honestly don't care. You know what I mean? I, I don't take into, like, when people call, it, there's a difference, right? I, I, there's a line that needs to be drawn. There's a there's a line that says, on the left side, so is a loser. On the right side, it's competitive, right? And I don't think he went on the left side, but I don't think he went on the right side either. When you talk about the comments that Clay Thompson made, I don't think that was like sore loser ish. But I don't think it was like competitiveness. It was kind of like, I'm just gonna. Like I said, I'm just gonna get move past this question and let's kind of move forward. Okay. But even if it was sore loser ish, so what? Or what if it was bitterness or competitiveness? So what? Like you want that? You want a storyline, and I think that's why it, that I think Twitter tried to help draw the a draw. Story. There's not really a storyline here, right? It hasn't really been. It's been who's the best offensive team. Um, the Boston Celtics has the you know the better defensive team, but it, it it really doesn't. There's no the biggest narrative here is the Steph Curry is finally clear, uh, carrying a team to a finals. That's the biggest narrative. So if we really want to talk about anything, when you talk and, and try to make it a story. Let's make that a story. That's all. Thanks, Twitter. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> but nah, as you were saying, on the game four. Yeah, on, on the game four. Um, the difference in game four was I, I don't think that Boston separated themselves um, from the Golden State Warriors as they did in game three, right? Um, and in the beauty of game, or in, in the, for, for the Warriors' sake, the beauty of game four was Steph Curry made the shots he needed to make down the stretch. That was it. That that was just flat out it. Um, I'll say one thing. I was shocked. And this is why I don't trust Boston. Game three, Boston found a recipe. The recipe was, oh, let's go back to where the LeBron James team beat the Golden State Warriors. We're going to put Stephen Curry in pick and roll. We're going to make him defend. And we're going to tire him out, and we're going to win the ballgame. That's what they did game three. And it almost didn't work, but it worked, right? Great. Kudos. Game four comes. 
down the stretch. They absolutely do not do that at all. You allow Clay to have his legs down in the fourth quarter, down the stretch, and now he's doing what y'all need to be doing and kind of putting your big in a pick and roll situation. And now he's taking advantage of that, making some step back threes and, and things like that that, that kind of um, took over and won the game for him. Um, I'll say this, man. Last, my last take of game four, and I'll toss it to you. I am under the belief right now at this moment, at this very moment, Clay Thompson needs to be benched and not played as much. I don't know how you feel about it, but Clay Thompson is hurting the Golden State Warriors at times. Right now, Clay Thompson is shooting horrendous. And I get it. Shoot or shoot. I said it. I've been saying it. But at some point, goddammit, shooters don't need to shoot. You ain't shooting yourself out of a slump. You, you're shooting that bad. And, hey. And, and, and let me add the last thing. When you're shooting very well at some point, some of those shots are great or, or good shots because you're a good shooter. When you're not making them, Clay Thompson, and you're not making them consistently, they turn into bad shots. And you're shooting very, very bad. No, and I will absolutely agree with you about that. Um, now, mention Clay, I don't know. Maybe you still keep him out there as a decoy because at the end of the day, he's still Clay Thompson. He's still one of the best shooters in the league, right? And and nobody can take that nobody can take that away from him because over over time you know at some point and this is the thing right at, you got to think at some point he's gonna get hot and that's what you that's what you're afraid of if you're Boston right but I can honestly say that he and this is probably for the first time in a while and this is not including the obviously the Kevin Durant days but he is no longer the second best player on the team. That, that would either have to be Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole, in my opinion. And I would say right now, um, based upon the playoff run and wh- who's been playing well in the finals especially, it's Andrew Wiggins. And, and in my opinion, it's not even close. Like, Andrew Wiggins is being the best two-way player on that team right now. Yeah, and what I saw in Game 4, man, when you talk about Andrew Wiggins being able to make key defensive plays Make big shots, you know what I mean, throughout the game to keep, first of all, to keep them like in the game and then also to help put them ahead. Like, Andrew Wiggins has been doing it all. He's been having to guard Jason Tatum and switch off and guard Jalen Brown. He's been asked to do the most and has lived up to everything that they asked him to do. Like, so it goes back to what you said just what two podcasts ago. This is a rich man's Harrison Barnes. Everything that they wanted Harrison Barnes to grow to be is Andrew Wiggins right now. So, yeah, I can I can agree with you a thousand percent about the whole Clay Thompson thing because he's been a complete shell of himself. And I know there's a lot of hype when he first came back and he obviously had the few moments where I think he dunked on like two people in the regular season when he came back. Uh, one of them happened to be, I believe it was it Jared Allen from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He dunked on him. 
And, you know, he, he had a few games where he looked like Clay Thompson. But throughout this playoff run, outside of that, what, one game six? I don't think that we've seen Clay Thompson really play up to the Clay Thompson that we are accustomed to knowing. No, I don't think so as well, man. Um, but but hopefully the beauty of it is is he comes back and does something. They have another game six. He has another t- opportunity to live up to the game six name, game six Clay. Um, don't know if it, that'll happen. Um, but, you know, for their sake, I think they want it to happen, right? Yeah, so for, I mean, going into game five, obviously that'll be Monday night. In Golden State again. So they're going back home. Pressure's on Boston now. Do yes. you Do you believe... And remember... Let, let's explain why the pressure's on Boston. Well, because they had a 2-1 advantage at one point. They were at home. They had... Obviously, they stole one in Golden State, which was big for them. They stole one in Golden State. But they give up one in Boston. So now the, the, the playing field is even, right? Because they had the opportunity to take a 3-1 lead... After game four, which they failed to do. And everybody, and I won't say everybody, but I know a lot of people were saying that this is the game that they need to really put their foot on Golden State's neck. And, you know what I mean? Because when was the last time we actually saw Golden State under pressure in the playoffs? I think it was the Houston series right before CP got injured. So you say the Houston series, and then you'll say game what? Game seven against the Cavs. Yeah, the game, yeah, and then like outside of that, I can't remember. But I think for them, especially being the team that's already kind of inexperienced in the final setting, that was what they needed, right? Because even if they go back to Golden State and they lose one, they're still up three two with the opportunity to close out at home. But now you're saying, okay, they're going into game five. Tied up 2-2 in Golden State. And if this game, if the series goes seven games, it's ending in Golden State, which is what you don't want to happen. Not saying that they can't, not saying that Golden State can't lose game seven at home, but the likelihood of it isn't very high. And that's why the pressure now is on Boston. So to add to that, I'll say the game that that is the pressure's on Boston for multiple different reasons. The Warriors are uh, one of the best teams to close out Game Four, uh, to win the game, the Game Four to close the series out. They're one of the best teams in the league right now, uh, especially in, in 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 what they've done in the past. You, you got to worry about the 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 ability of Game Six Clay. You you just do, um, and then you you also have the the uh, fact. You have the fact of now game five is at Golden State. We go into Boston back for game six. Who's the worst the worst winning percentage team probably in the NBA this year in the playoffs at home? Boston Celtics. So um just to add a couple points just to add to what you 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 kinda you kinda threw out there. Um with that being said, game five is tomorrow. Who do you got? Game five, I'm going with Golden State. I and I, I, I've been saying that Golden State in six, and I'm staying true to that, man. I really think that the next two are going to Golden State. Yep, I got it too. Golden State is my thing. I'll tell you one thing. I did. I wanted to be able to if if we would have potted right after Thursday or after Game Three. 
I might have been on the fence of saying this is a Boston series. Game three shows so much um, where there's the, the energy, the, just the energy level and the youthness and the the length of the Boston Celtics. It started to overpower the uh, Golden State Warriors. And then I'm like, nah, his name is Curry. And this dude showed up and he's a bad man. So I'm going with Golden State in game five. I'm sticking to my guns as well. And I'm going Warriors in six. Um, So therefore, I I believe the final should be over Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously we don't have anything to talk about really outside of the final. So we can go straight to college football. Would you have college football news to talk about? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, if you like to kick it off and then I can you, we, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, it, all right. So it's revolving around NIL deals, right? So obviously it's the biggest thing in, in college sports, right? NIL deals, um, talking about. Kids that are out here playing and able to to make up make money off of their name, image, and likeness, obviously. And we've seen some guys out here, you know, Porsche deals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think this is probably one of the biggest that I've seen. Obviously, Shadour had the million dollar uh, nil deal with uh, Beats by Dre, which was you know I mean uh, it was it was amazing to see. But we're talking about. A kid named C.J. Stroud, who originally he he was offered what? Now it was a hundred fifty thousand um, dollar. What was it? A Lamborghini? Uh, no, it was a Bentley truck. Bentley truck uh, for his uh, NIL compensation, but he turned around and he turned that down. And, and uh, Eric, because I mean you're an Ohio State guy, so I want you to explain him and break down exactly. What he what what he turned down and what he's now receiving. So he's now, if I'm not mistaken, he's now receiving the AMG Mercedes Benz uh, uh, truck. In, in, in place of that, money wise, is not really this, that big of a difference. Um, What's well, a two hundred thousand dollar car? Right, right, right. I think I think the Bentley was like one seventy five ish. So I mean, the price difference kind of very very similar. Um, I, I just it, it's just mind blowing to me, bro, that we're talking about um, kids that are twenty years old, maybe eighteen, nineteen years old, um, signing these deals to be able to drive these um, expensive cars, um, or the just sign these deals in general. Um, but you know, this is one way I think Ohio State is trying to keep up um, with what's going on in the landscape of nil at this point. Um, CJ Stroud, you know, is taking full advantage of of that. I know last year, um, the whole offensive line, I think, got, um, I think they got like uh, Chevrolet trucks. So, I think this is this is a change in the college football landscape, and I think this is going to be very, 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 very bad. But explain. Hold on, hold on. I, I want you to explain. You so you believe this is going to be bad for for college football? Yes. Or college sports in general? Yes. Can Can you please expound on that? I at, at first, I let me let me say this first. At first, I was on the fence of saying 
are on the side of saying this is going to be good, like for all sports, for for all all colleges, to kind of give them an even playing field, et cetera, et cetera. And it still can, right? Like certain cities, certain teams, certain universities, they're in other areas. They're in areas where they're big companies, Fortune 500 companies. Um, but I think what we're doing is, as as a as I guess what I would say as a community, or as a as a university, or as a this day and age, like we're giving, like what is one of the main reasons why they don't want kids going pro early? Well, it, it depends on what you know, kind of. So 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 like in, in, in NBA for for that matter, they don't want them because they don't think they're ready financially to have a millions of dollars, right? In NFL, it's kind of a, one of the things where maybe this kid's body's not ready. He's Underdeveloped. Not, he's not really developed yet. But the biggest factor is we're going to give this kid a lot of money and what will he be able to do with it? And this is the drawback of it. You have universities potentially brokering NIL deals for kids that are coming out of high school that are now being subject to millions of dollars as NIL deals. What are they going to do with that? How are you going to help manage that? How are you going to help these kids make sure that they're appropriately paying for taxes correctly? Like, what are we doing to set these kids up to be successful with these millions of dollars that they're doing, that that they're bringing in? I don't have a problem with them bringing in this money, but I think the problem is, is you're going to have, you're going to, these kids are going to be set. Some of them are going to be set up to fail. Like Ohio state is one of those uh, universities where they provide a lot of information to these kids to kind of set them up for the next level after college, whether it's to be play at the pros or to um, get them with fortune 500 companies and or and help them manage, like understand the managing of a business and things like that. That happens there. That happens in Alabama. Those are kind of the two top programs that I I know of that happen. I don't think that happens at every college. No, and I couldn't imagine that it does, right? But at the same time, uh, I mean, I think it's a simple solution, right? I think that you get these uh, student athletes. Who are receiving NIL deals? Hell, all of them. Let's just say all of them, right? They all have to take, uh, like a, a wealth management class or a business management class to help f- balance or manage their finances. You know what I mean? It once they're getting these NIL deals that are bringing their money or generating money, so then that way, if they're set up to where they have like, oh, so they got an NIL deal. And let's not say like a million dollars, but let's say a player gets a hundred thousand dollars, right? For an NIL deal or 80000 but they want to be like, hey, we want you to be able to manage this correctly, you know what I mean, so that you don't blow through this money, because $80,000 is still a lot of money to a college kid. Not only that, not only like that, the, like, we need to help them manage it or put it somewhere, like, bro, if you think about this, just, just hear me out for a second. You have a kid right now who's a wide receiver who's potentially going to go to Tennessee. But the crystal ball says he's going to Ohio State. I can't remember the kid's name. 
but I just overheard a little bit of this. T- Tennessee is trying to pull him away from Ohio State. And the thought is that they're going to get him a three-year, $5 million NIL deal. That is insane. But hold on. But in, in all fairness, is it really insane? Because they're using their leverage, which, I mean, that's what the NIL deal kind of is in place for, right? I mean, obviously, it, it's it's there because it's supposed to help the kid get it's supposed to help them to, to get money, right? Because they're saying, hey, we're giving you money based off of the money that you bring into our program. It is. But here's the big but. You remember weeks ago when Nick Saban got, um, when Nick Saban threw Texas A&M under the bus um, and a couple other schools. Absolutely. I, 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 I didn't forget it. Yeah. Okay. So what, what comes about with that is, Nick Saban was talking to boosters, right? What they're doing and what these universities are doing right now today, they are saying a couple things. We're forming our own NIO alliance as a university. And we're using these people that may be on a board or some sort to go get money and bring that money back into a pot. That pot technically belongs to the University of Ohio State. Right? Just for example. Now they're dispersing that pot throughout the team. Name and image and likeness is the kid being able to go get a deal with a particular brand or build build their own brand and to re- receive money, monetary money, gifts because of that. Not the university facilitating that on behalf of the program. But in the- prime example, the Ohio State University's has their own NIL board that Urban Meyer sits on. Yeah, no, and a lot, a lot of the schools do. A lot of schools a lot have, of them do. have their own NIL board. That is bad. It is, it is, but it's not because I think, look, when you talk about the landscape of college football, right, what if teams have been doing to, to, what if teams have been doing since the beginning of time? Oh, they've been doing, they, they've they, been doing everything they can to leverage their recruits. And they I, have, they have, and, and, and let's not get it twisted. And now it's just more in the open. Let's not get it twisted. They've been giving money to these people. I mean, hell, you you go, you watch, um, you watch the pivot with Eric Dickerson. Absolutely. And Eric Dickerson talks about him wanting this Trans Am, and when he was going to SMU, going to SMU, um, about to go to SMU, and he and he was telling his parents like, hey, I want this Trans Am. That Trans Am was $14,500. Brand new. Long time ago. <laughs> yeah, no, a long time ago. But he wanted that. Their way around that was his grandmother and grandfather had money. They was wealthy. They paid for it, $14,500. But guess what? SMU re- reimbursed his grandparents. $14,500. there has been... Th- th- at the beginning of time, this has been happening. But 
even though this is in the opening, it's different. And I think there needs to be something around what is going on because this is going to be more of a... It, it, it reminds me of this. This is where I, this is where I want to go. And I almost went, I forgot to go there when we talked about NBA. I saw a clip. Anthony Davis said, this fucker hadn't touched the basketball since April 5th. Yeah, I saw that. I, yeah, I just saw that. You know the first thing that went through my mind? These motherfuckers don't love the game no more. It's all about money. It is all about money at this point. For a lot of people. And this is what I'm saying. I don't want these kids to think it's just about money. Well, all right. So, let, can I can I just interject real quick, just before yeah. you just before you finish? Go ahead. So, I get what you're saying, but it's it's hard for it's hard for me to to because I understand. Like, I think I and I I, I agree with you. I believe that these kids that you don't want them to grow up and say hey I'm just doing this for the monetary value because especially when you're playing like those especially when you're playing a sport like football or basketball like you still want people who love the game right like you still want people who desire the game and still have that hunger like I want to go out and win championships because like that's what it's about but it's hard to really be like I'm okay with you just having the love for the game when these owners aren't valuing the they're not valuing it as such anymore right they're, because at the end of the day they look at it as a business which it is to them so and I, and I think no I'm gonna stop you right here because yes the owners are looking at it as a business you two as a player have an obligation as a business as, as a player to be about your business and making sure that you are the best that you can be. 100%. 100%. That, that is it. As, as a guy like Anthony Davis, you should be continuing to work on your craft to make sure that you are the you are doing everything in your power to be the best that you can be, especially when you're playing for an organization like the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. No. Alongside one of the arguably greatest players that ever played the game. That... that that's a telltale sign to me. That that is a telltale sign. So, do you think Anthony Davis has lost his love for for basketball? I don't want to say he lost the love, but like you won an NBA Finals, like you should be hungry to get back to an NBA Finals again. You should be hungry enough to say, "Damn, I am continuing to get hurt every year, year in and year out." And I am not there to help my team. Had I been there to help my team, my team could have possibly still been playing right now today. I mean, honestly, I think just off the strength of the fact that, you know, a lot of people believe that Anthony Davis could still be the best player in this league. I don't think so because of that mentality. But I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, but based off... You've went to... My bad. You've went over two months without touching a fucking basketball. No, and I agree. And I think for him to even say that publicly is kind of wild. Like, I don't, because I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you a player who would live up to like that type of superstardom to where they would be like, oh, I ain't touched a basketball in months. So what were you doing training? Like, so rehab. Like, have you not been rehabbing to get back to make sure you can play? 
and not even that, even if you're injured, you can still shoot because he didn't have a, he didn't hurt his shoulder or he didn't hurt his elbow on his shooting hand. He can still shoot the ball. So, no, like, so, no, I agree with you. I agree with you, you know what I mean, when he should be out there. But at the same time, I understand that, you know, and a, a lot of these players, they really just are saying, hey, how can I get my next big contract? Or, you know what I mean, and that's what they're, that's what they see the value in. That's why I will always gear towards uh, NFL players. I respect and love the grind that they put in. There are a lot of players in this in the NFL right now today that are now taking care of their body consistently, training year in year out. Like they don't really have an off season. They're not going and living it up and partying. And if they do that, that's fine. Go live it up. Go party. Go have a vacation, enjoy your family, but you have to take care of your body so that you could be able to um, be able to play and perform. And that's what we're seeing. And Anthony Davis is he, you, you're not doing, you're not playing, being able to play, you're not performing. Well, hey, I say this: what will what will get you paid consistently are the three P's: playing, performance, production. Those will those will get you paid. Can I? I mean, it's it's, it's not a P, but. Your best ability is what? Availability. There you go. Which that is, also gets you paid. Well, what you said. That's why I said playing, <laughs> yeah, pro- right. production, and performance. Those like those three things will always get you paid. One hundred percent. And hey, and I think that the first one, playing, is probably the most important. And for Anthony Davis to say he hasn't touched a basketball in two, that's that should be concerning if you're a Lakers. It, hell, not a Lakers fan, but if you're the Lakers organization, they should trade him. I would trade him. I would be looking to trade him right now. That's a telltale sign, bro. Let me ask you a question. Just hypothetically, obviously, you don't work for the Lakers, but let's say that somebody approached the Lakers this offseason, right? And you're the, you're the, the general manager, yes. And they say, hey. We're interested in acquiring Anthony Davis. What do we need to What do we need to give up in order to receive him? What would you say right now? And you can you can mention players. You don't have to say a specific organization. So it kind of leaves like the it kind of leaves that that question mark right there. So you I need, can I need a tier one player. So let's go there. A tier one player and maybe and multiple draft picks. Do you have anybody in mind? No, and I don't care. I really don't. I almost would take three first-round picks if I'm an organization. Let me ask you a question. Would you take, not saying that it'll happen, it's just, go, go ahead, go ahead. would you take Carl Anthony Towns for Anthony Davis? No. In, in, in the draft pick? No. Okay, I was just I was just asking. No. Towns is, is probably, he's, he's available to play. The passion ain't there to play, to win, to win and want to be great consistently. So I, I wouldn't take that either. I want somebody. I want go get a guy like Jimmy Butler. I'm just throwing names. Yeah, just, just yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. Go get a Jimmy Butler. Um, go get a guy. Um, a, a Jason Tatum, a Jalen Brown. Go get a young guy. Go get somebody who's gonna grind. 
Or if you're going to go older, it got to be a Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant. Those guys love ball. They they want to grind. They want to win. A Kyrie Irving. What about a Bam out of Bayou? Would, do you think that a Bam out of Bayou plus Duncan Robinson and a draft pick would draw interest? You got me drawing interest now. I'm, okay. I'm interested. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm just I'm just throwing hypotheticals I'm out interested. because I feel like that's a good fit for the style of basketball that they're trying to play for for the Lakers. Yes. For the Lakers, it will not be for Miami. Well, because what, my Miami wouldn't work for Anthony Davis though. Miami is more strict. They're probably one of the most strictest it, stricter organizations in the league, right? I don't think he could. That that's a little bit more tough for him. And I don't think he has the thick skin and and is willing to to do that. Okay, all right. But um, just to kind of bring it full circle, right? So for nil deals, do you think that we will get to a point where they'll just flat out just start giving players contracts? Because it kind of, I kind of feel like that's the way. We're gonna, even though it will be hard to do because of things like the transfer portal, and then also the fact that they're technically amateur athletes, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I feel like the way that things are going, it could potentially end up that route where you're seeing these college kids actually signing contracts, and then also, how do NIL deals work? That like that's what I'm curious about. How do they work if you enter a transfer portal? And you go to a different organ. You go to a different uh, school. I think it just depends on who gets the deal. Like if you get a deal with a company directly, it may not be a problem. But if you're a part, but if but if the university is brokering that nil deal, that may be the problem. But see, th- but those are things that I think that it's going to have to be ironed out. There's a lot that needs to be done with this and there needs to be some governance or over it. Well that's the thing though, right? Because I think they've been like let's be let's be real, Eric. When you talk about rules and things that should be done and shouldn't be done in college sports, these organiz these teams or these uh colleges and universities, they're gonna find loopholes. They are, just like they have in the past. That's literally all they've been doing all up until NIL, NIL deals became a thing. They've been finding loopholes, finding ways to give guys uh, some type of compensation for coming to their school and playing ball. Right? They've been finding loopholes, and I think they'll continue to find loopholes. Okay. Um, on to another bit of news in college football. CJ Carr, um, grandson of Hall of Fame coach Carr decides to go to Notre Dame over Michigan. Yeah, I mean Lloyd Carr. I mean was a, obviously a, a staple in the the Michigan community. Like that's a lot of love for Lloyd Carr, but I don't. That's nothing that I'm heartbroken over. In my opinion, not being biased, that is kind of a telltale sign of a few things. One, it just Harbaugh can't get still the deal for any a, a guy 
who probably has bled the school up north colors <laughs> his whole life. He is not going there. That is, oh, I, I, I am just mind blown by that. I'm not. And you know, I, look, this is the way I see it, right? And I tell people all the time, and I've been saying it, um, Michigan this year, it, they'll, it's, it's a big question mark up there. You lose your offensive coordinator, your decent defensive coordinator. You have a head coach who is there, not necessarily because he might not, because he wants to be there, just because he didn't get the Minnesota Vikings job. Right? Because if, if the Minnesota Vikings offered him that job, do you think he would still be the coach in Michigan? Hell no. Harbaugh, Harbaugh saw the writing on the wall. And he knew that, we hey, we're going to be a young team again next year. We're losing too many of our key players. Do we think we'll be able to beat Ohio State again? No. Not back-to-back years. Not when you're losing your best players. Not when you still have a quarterback who's not that competent. It's, it's so many things that are going to go wrong for Michigan this year. And the writing is on the wall. J- J- Harbaugh's only there. Jim Harbaugh's only in Michigan right now because that's it. It's not because, oh, I love Michigan football and I'm willing to die for this program. No. It's just because. And there are. They're well ways beyond not only NIL, but just recruiting in general. And I don't know how much longer. Like, his he's not on a hot seat, but I think he's close to it. No. Here's why I'm going to say this. You're not able to recruit. Yes, you're, you came off... Of a big win. If you continue to get manhandled in that game, he won't be there long. He has probably two to three years at the at, at best. Let me tell you something, right? And this is just me being a Michigan fan my whole life. Jim Harbaugh just bought himself an additional four years in Michigan going to the college football playoff. He could go the next three seasons and literally... He, he could not have a winning record the next three seasons. They're not going to fire him. He just took him to the college football playoffs. He beat Ohio State. He had a player who was drafted second overall in the NFL draft. They're not about to fire Jim Harbaugh. Hell, the, the, the year that we thought that he was going to get fired, he got a five-year extension. Because they didn't play Ohio State. Exactly. So, this, he's not on the hot seat, but at the same time, this is a guy who clearly showed that he doesn't care to be the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. And the, the first job in the NFL, more than likely, that will say, Jim Harbaugh, we want you to be the head coach, he'll be the head coach. So, how are you feeling about the state of Michigan right now? I'm, I'm a fan regardless, right? Like, I'm not going to sit up here and be like, oh. How you feel about the state of Michigan right now? Not being able to compete with the NIL deals. Not being able whoa, to whoa, whoa, whoa. top-tier recruits. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They still have a, They still are able to recruit. They don't have a top-five recruiting class 
Like, okay, like that's out the door. They're in the top 10. Yeah, that's not even the top 15. So, yeah, but they're, but they're still able to recruit some guys, right? They still got some guys up there that can ball. So, I won't never take that away from them. It's, it's still Michigan. But are they the, are they the supreme or the premier school of the Big Ten? No, they're not even top three right now. And, and that, that's hard for me to say. They're not even top three right now because you got Ohio State, who's right there at number one. Penn State, I still believe, is number two. But I believe the third one is Michigan State. Michigan State, what they will be able to do and what their head coach brings as far as his intensity and his ability to recruit in the state of Michigan is far superior than Jim Harbaugh's right now. And that's tough. So... I'm saying those are the top three schools right now in the Big Ten. Michigan being on the outside of that top three is absolutely abysmal considering that they just won the Big Ten this year and they went to the college football playoffs. And not not a lot of schools who go to a college football playoffs can come back the next year and be like, oh, we're not even the top three team. Think about it. Let that sink in. So that's how I feel about to say the of Michigan football. Okay. But, you know, also in college football, uh, speaking of conferences. I was right. The, the AAC. The, I, I, I projected the, correctly. The, the AAC is losing the three schools who were already leaving for the Big 12. Supposed to be in 2024. They're losing them a year early with an $18 million buyout. And those three teams are UCF, the University of Cincinnati, and then also they're losing Houston and Houston, the Houston Cougars. So those three teams will be um, out of the AAC or out of the AAC going into the Big Twelve after the 2023 season. Wow! Well, the summer, the summer of 2023. So starting beginning in the fall of 2024. Those schools will all be in the Big 12. So you'll have, obviously, UC will be playing West Virginia again, as they did when they were in the Big East. But those Kansas, hey, Kansas basketball games just got a little bit easier. I will say that now. <laughs> because me, imagine trying to imagine UC, UCF, and Houston. Well, Houston may be able to hang in because... They have a really good basketball program. But as of right now, those uh those especially those UCF games, those seem a little bit uh a little bit intriguing for uh the Kansas Jayhawks when you talk about basketball. Football on the other hand, UCF, Houston, and UC all should be able to fare well against uh the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But but eighteen million dollar bow doesn't seem too bad considering all you know when you're talking about all three teams. Um, but do you feel like this is good for college football? Yes, yes, I think it's good for college football, and I'll tell you why. Um, as easy as I want to punt, I want to be able to sit here and say like, um, <clears throat> you have a you're at the point now where Ohio State. I mean, sorry, you um, see, is. Um, Right at the top, in the top five in recruiting right now. We're talking about for this upcoming season and the season beyond that. Um, they're, I think they're, they're in top five for both. 
So when you when you talk about teams like that being able to go into the Big Twelve, um, I think that that brings a, another landscape of a, um, a couple of teams that could be um, powerhouse teams in the in the Power Five, if you will. Now that allows um, UC to compete for um, the the college football playoffs every year. Um, I think this helps probably push more of an extension of the playoff college football playoffs as well. Um, just because now we're starting to see that there's more dominant teams coming in year in and year out. And uh, kudos to UC for doing a great job um, basically building their resume up for the last three years under Luke Fickle to now make this move to go to the Big 12. Um, I think it's a huge thing for college football, and I think it's one of those things that may bring back um, the the in-state rival of Ohio State and, and UC football as well. And I will say this, I, and I know that, you know, one thing about college football, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, right, about the extension of college football playoffs, because I think that this that's absolutely what this does, right? And I don't know what the perfect number is, right? I know a lot of people over the past years have been like, well, what's the perfect number for college football, for the college football playoffs? You know, is it six teams? Is it eight teams? Is it 16 teams? Like, nobody, everybody's been trying to figure out that perfect number. But I will say what I also think uh, this um, this will, or I, I won't say what this will do, but what will also um, help with the extension of the college football playoffs NIL deals, because now you're talking about is generate is generating more more revenue, right? And it's more money because now when you start talking about money, right? Because now you can openly talk about money in college football or college sports in general, right? You can talk about them in the, in the same breath now mm-hmm. without you know having to look over your shoulder. You know, money. Oh, oh yeah, no. Now you can talk about you know monetary value in college sports and specifically college football. Which we know is um, like a billion dollar industry, right? That's a billion dollar industry. Now you're talking about, okay, so let's take a few of those bowl games that some people may not care about. Let's take those away and let's add on four additional four additional teams into the, uh, into the college football playoffs. So now you got eight teams. So now you got two more games, right? So now you're talking about, oh man, this is... More more sports betting is going on. You know, they're putting more money into these other two games, right? More sponsors. So, like, that's one thing I think that the NIL deal will also, that will help pull an extension when you're talking about the college football playoffs as well. For sure, definitely. Um, it's definitely going to drive, help drive that. Um, and it's also going to help... Uh, because those 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 big companies that are supporting those those kids uh, are are going to want to um, potentially be able to have their their brand or their name uh, mentioned when you talk about a national champion. So for sure, I'm with you. It's almost going to be like just as bad as it is to get in a damn commer- get a commercial going for the during the playoffs or during the the finals or during the Super Bowl weekend. So. Yeah, and, uh, you know, but, you know, that that's cool. But, you know, obviously college football is, is not even – it's not around the corner just yet, but, you know, we'll get there soon. But even though this isn't around the corner, it's still a lot going on, right? 
in NFL. We still still got. Yeah, it, no, yeah, no, but yeah, yeah, yeah I feel you. This is still. It seems a lot to, that is going on. Uh, but I think the biggest news is Deshaun Watson. There's twenty four now twenty four cases uh, pending against Deshaun Watson. Obviously, these are all civil suits, not criminal charges. But twenty four because at first it was twenty two, and then it, it bumped up to twenty three. Now sitting at twenty four allegations against Deshaun Watson for sexual what what how sexual assault. So. And the one thing that came out is they're saying that the Houston Texans were responsible for getting Deshaun Watson. It was like something like 60 hotel rooms or something crazy like that, right? Over the past few years. And giving NIL deals. I mean, not NIL deals. Um, uh, NDAs as well to the to the people, uh, some of the, the people who are... Um, that, that he had an encounter with. I mean, we caught it. Um, you were kind of first to say that, to say, like, man, there was no way that they, they weren't in on this. Like, when they, they weren't in on the fact of, you know, kind of snitching and allowing this to get to where it gotten. Um, 100%. I don't know what that still means. More, more cases, yes, I, I get that comes out. I still don't want to overreact and under to to a certain extent to see what that means with him being able to play or not. That doesn't. I don't. Yes, we. The more more numbers came out, but these are civil suits. Nothing criminal. Um, these can all be to the point where at this point now it's just he said she said and people trying to get paid. So I, I'm not going to overreact to that. That's why I didn't think this was real big, big news, in my opinion. I thought there were bigger news in the NFL at this point. Um, but but we'll see more to come when they do a ruling on it. Well, I, I say it's big news because at this point, we don't know necessarily what's going on with Deshaun Watson. It's, but but, we, but we, we know that he, he will at least miss six games, but a lot of people were saying that Deshaun Watson... Might be, he could be potentially suspended for the entire year, but I think that's something that Cleveland knew that was was a potential. That's why they structured their contract the way they did. They because he only gets what one million for the first year. Yeah, they 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 knew what they were getting themselves into, and we already knew that the potential of him missing games was there. So it's like I don't want to overreact until I know for sure how many games he's gonna miss. And then I can react and be like, oh, okay, cool. This is how I feel. Well, let, let me, so let me clarify why I said that I believe this is big news, right? And obviously, this will just take a second for me to kind of explain. But I think once I do explain it, you'll look and be like, oh, yeah, that's crazy, right? So when, it, when all this first happened, right, I said that this was basically, like this news came out because Deshaun Watson had went to the, the Texans organization and said that he wanted out. And the Texans said, oh, okay, well, we got something on you. And then they said, hey, you know what? Well, we about to let this come out. So then what happened? That it, th- Those people started to come out and say, oh, Deshaun Watson was doing this during uh, massages that he was getting, right? He was, mm-hmm. you know, sexual assault charges start popping out of the woodworks. And I do believe that to be, I still believe that to be true. I believe that 
It was a scandal that was perpetuated by the Houston Texans organization. And while I do think that there was something involved with him, but I think that this was something that the Houston Texans had known about not not since the beginning of time, right? Okay. But now if the Houston the Houston Texans have their name has been brought up saying that okay, they were paying for these rooms, they were sending out NDAs, so there has to be some link between them knowing about Deshaun Watson and these cases. So now this is what this is the kicker, right? Now the Houston Texans they'll basically be forced to be the defense for Deshaun Watson. So the same guy that, in my opinion, you tried to put in the, you know, you tried to blackball and put in the chokehold, now you kind of got to get him out of the jail. Otherwise, it backfires on you. Because if this, if, if all this is true that comes out about the Houston Texans organization, you're talking about an organization that will be penalized like no other. So now they have to come out and, you know, they have to say, hey, yeah, because they can't be like, oh, well, we didn't know what he was doing in those, in those massages. Well, you, why, were you, why, were you, why would you send an NDA just for a basic massage to this hotel room? And why would you provide over or pay for over 60 hotel rooms for him to get massages in? And when was the last time a guy had to see over 30 people for a massage? So that's why I said this is big news because the guy... That you tried to get in the jail. Now you kind of got to get him out of it. Otherwise it's going to hurt you. So that's the only reason I said it was big news. But you know at the end of the day. We'll have to wait to kind of see what happens throughout the trial. And see what it comes about. But I do believe that this is a situation. Where we do see a lot of these things kind of drop off. Because. The Houston Texans now have to basically defend Deshaun Watson through this trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. I definitely feel you. Um, in other news in the NFL, we got um, we got two 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 guys, Super Bowl champs, laughing laughing to the bank right now, smiling to the bank rather. And that's Aaron Donald, who got an extension, who's uh, paid like a damn quarterback at this point. Um, and Cooper Cup. Cool. Uh, triple Crown winner. Um, hadn't been a Triple Crown winner in, in over 20 years. Um, so, Coop got his, got paid. Aaron Donald got paid. Um, there's talks of Odell Beckham potentially getting paid from them. Uh, so basically, you're telling me it's a lot of money in L.A. It seems like it's a lot of money in L.A. <laughs> um, Odell Beckham uh, was told by um, his head coach if he crashed his wedding, he better sign with the the he better sign back with the Rams, and he crashed his wedding. Hey, hey, you you think they got room for a water boy in L.A.? Cause I, I can hand out some water now. I can. I'm Tom. I'm Tom Brady. You're handing out water. Touche. Not, 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 not something I want to do. Uh, hey, hey, hey. If, 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 if they pay people like that in L.A., trust me, I'll go to L.A. and pass out some water. Go, go right ahead. Um, so, yeah, he he, he got his deal. Um, and then we got Debo Samuels. Debo Samuels actually will be um, showing up to camp. Um, he has set out of OTAs. 
Um, but he, he will be showing up to camp. Um, he will not have a new deal in place as of yet. Um, but he's hoping to get one that's a sign that potentially he may get a deal coming soon. Um, but more to come on that. Um, a player that will not be showing up to camp more than like, well, as of right now, is DK Metcalf. Yeah, DK Metcalf. Uh, rightfully so. Um, he's one of the, he, they, they chose to get rid of Russell Wilson. So at this point of, of his career, he's he's like, you know what? Y'all got rid of Russ. Now y'all might as well just pay me. It's time to pay me now because Russ is gone. So respect it, everything. I, I, I don't have any issues with that. Um, I think it's time for him to sit to be able to sit out and get it get paid, or for help push that to get traded up out of Seattle. Well, now, but this is the thing, right? So, I, and I've just got a question for you, really quick, because now with Cooper Cup obviously signing his extension, right? How does that impact the guys? Because we have to remember, we have to remember, right? This is context. Cooper Cup just had one of the greatest receivers or uh, seasons that a wide receiver has had in NFL history, right? So I don't, and, and it's hard for me because you know everybody every time somebody gets paid they're like oh that's the standard now no that's not the standard he didn't set the bar for for what receivers should be getting paid he set the bar for what he should be getting paid based off his production DK Metcalf is not out here winning triple crowns yeah no that that his what he's what Cooper Cup's done does not impact in my cap my opinion what DK Metcalf is gonna get. Okay, okay, and, and that's because you know, every time you see some, because a lot of people were feeling like Lamar Jackson was going to be asking for what Patrick or what Patrick Mahomes got, right? That like five hundred million dollars. Like I'm like realistically no, because he didn't go to a Super Bowl, right? But he did win the MVP. So will he be asking for what he got? No, but he he wants to get paid more than what Dak Prescott got. For sure, 100%. yeah. So and 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 I think that's one thing that people need to understand, like. When a player like Cooper Cup gets an extension or gets paid, it, I don't believe that that's the, that's not the bar or that's not setting the new mark for what receipt what, what that position gets paid. No, that's what he's getting paid that because of what he did this past season. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and he's been the the most available wide receiver to that team. So it's it's critical to make sure that they they kind of keep it keep in place and keep intact. Okay, so will so will DK Metcalf be a Seattle Seahawk this upcoming season? Um, I think so. Um, unless somebody get hurt in camp, um, and, and the team is really pushing for a number a, a, a guy like DK Metcalf, um, you you may see the if the Cowboys get into camp and they realize that they don't have a number one wide receiver, they may. Um, but I think they're they're long ways away from that. Um, but time will tell. Okay. I think if, if everybody roster stay intact, uh, coming into camp and out of camp, I'm sorry, and going into the preseason, I, I don't think I, I think he's still a Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Yeah, no, same, same for me. Uh, I don't think that he goes anywhere. I do think that they make a trade this offseason. We're going into the uh, before regular season anyway. And I do think that they will make a deal to acquire Baker Mayfield from the Cleveland Browns. Long ways away from that. Um, Which, honestly, I don't think that we are. I think we could see that deal potentially get done by the end of July. 
Yeah, I mean, but yeah, you're talking about a whole nother month away. That's long ways away from Cleveland saying that they're not going to pay, they're not going to cover some of his salary. So <clears throat> I think whatever team that wants him um, and was willing to trade for him, they're going to want the Cleveland Browns to cover a little bit more of his salary um, for the season. Well, I don't know because Baker Mayfield. Remember, he he didn't get that extension. They didn't no, take. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. No, they they did not pick up his his, his extension. But he still is. I think offer. He's. I think he's still going to get paid like fifteen million this year or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. He will. And 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 they're saying that they will only want to pay a couple million of that, uh, fifteen million or whatever that number is. So I think the the Cleveland Browns are going to have to come up. And pay more of that amount of money before another team's going to say, "Hey, we're going to take a chance on Baker Mayfield." They're not going to. They're going to go cover eighty uh, percent of the expense of Baker Mayfield for this season. They're going to wait for the Cleveland Browns to cut him. Then, which is crazy because I don't think they'll cut him because they're they're, they're either going to have to the pay him. They're going to they're going to have to figure something out. They they have to because if they cut him, they still owe him some money. There is a hard cap that's going to hit, be hit because of it. And if you don't play him, you're still going to have to pay him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So they're they're going to figure a way out. They, I, they, I don't think there is a way that we see them cutting him. You know, I don't think they cut him. I do think there's a trade that's made. And I think that Seattle Seahawks will eventually bite the bullet. Because at the end of the day, they'll look at their roster and say, we have Drew Locke and we have... Um, Geno Smith. Geno, we have Drew Lock and Geno Smith. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's Baker Mayfield is at least an upgrade. So, hey, at the end of the day, like, I, mean, I, I think this is the year that Pete Carroll has to because I think Pete Carroll's on the hot seat. I don't. I think if they don't go in and show any type of aggression going into the season, I think Pete Carroll's out. So, but that's all I had. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to highlight uh, NFL-wise? Nah, I'm, I'm good, man. Okay, well, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Tunnel Vision Podcast. Uh, it's been a great episode. I want to thank Eric, uh, obviously, for his uh, accommodations today. <laughs> but I um, want to thank everybody out there for listening. Uh, you know, if you got any feedback, make sure you go ahead and follow us. And subscribe to the um, to the podcast anywhere you can find podcasts, and also follow us on social media. Um, got tunnel underscore viz underscore pod on Instagram and on Twitter. Or you can follow me also as at Mario Doramus on Twitter. Um, and also, just before we get out of here, I, I want to say two things. Right, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be an intriguing team next year. Because of one man, and that man is Jalen Hurts. And I will talk about it on the next podcast. And two, if you got somebody out there and you love them, make sure you tell them that you love them. You hug them a little bit tighter. And just be kind to people. And that's all I got to say. Until next time, we out of here. Peace.